Good morning. We're in week three of our series together. On the first week of the series, for those who came in person, when you walked into the auditorium, you would have received a small um, jigsaw puzzle piece. Now, I am not a jigsaw puzzle lover, but once I get into it, once I do one, I quite enjoy it. Um, but I do have a great memory of um, doing a jigsaw puzzle. Many years ago, when Tim and I were young and newly married, we uh, were living in Malaysia at the time, and we came to Tasmania on holiday. And we went to Hobart, where Tim's family is, and we stayed with Tim's grandmother. And um, Tim's grandmother made us really fat. She had like a whole freezer full of ice cream, and she gets really she got really angry when we refused to eat them. So it was great. And one of the things she did was she laid out this jigsaw puzzle for us and, you know, for us young ones, young people to do when we are bored. So um, Tim and I would sit down and we would do the jigsaw puzzle, but Nan would never sit and do it. Nan would help when she walked past. I was told that she was good at jigsaw puzzle. I'm not very sure. Anyway, so this is how she helped She'd walk past and she'd go, oh, that piece goes there. And we are like, no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. <laughs> See? And then she'd walk away. And then we'd laugh. And then we will have to get that piece out without damaging it more. I don't remember if we finished the puzzle, but... It certainly was very memorable and very damaged. Um, we started this series by talking about us being image bearers of God. And uh, it says in the beginning of the Bible, really, God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, talking amongst themselves. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us, to be like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the sm small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Individually, we are image bearers of God, made in God's image. Maybe we can have the slide, the picture. And, and together, so that, that's us individually, and together, male and female, all different ages, kinds, colors, shapes, sizes, all of us together, we look like this. We all reflect the image of God. Um, I was meditating on the this series, what we've been listening to, and um, I was at Coles last week, and I did a spiritual practice, um, and I watched people, uh, not like a creep, but I, I did it quite subtly, and I did not do it aloud, I did it in my head, I watched people, and I went like this, image bearer, image bearer, image bearer, image bearer, image bearer, image bearer, not selectively, everyone at calls, image bearer, I didn't do it so obviously, but you know, you get what I mean, I did it for like 30, 40 seconds probably, and I realized, I felt 
my heart shift. As I stopped doing that, I looked around the rest of Coles and the way I viewed everyone and felt about everyone changed. I want to encourage you to go do that too. Just do it subtly. Don't be a creep. So last week, we talked about the need to live together in unity with other image bearers in the family of God. Today, I want to fast forward to the early church. Now, God was taking the Jewish people on a journey to help them see that his love and his good news is not just for the Jewish people, but is for everyone, for the non-Jewish as well. So Jesus had died for our sin and he rose again from the dead and he ascended into heaven and he poured out the Holy Spirit upon those who believed in him and that day Peter stood up and preached about Jesus and 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and the church was born and after that God started to add to those who believe in Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit not just the Jews but the Gentiles as well, the Gentiles, non-Jews. This was huge for the Jewish people because the Jewish people believed God, they had monopoly on God. So God was bringing a huge change there. 11 chapters on, in chapter 13, it says, among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manan, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So who are the leaders in this church? Remember, the Jewish people thought that they had monopoly on God and God was changing their, uh, their mindset. The leaders were Barnabas, Saul, Simeon, Lucius, and Manian. Manan? Barnabas was a Jew, a Levite from the tribe of the priests, so definitely should be leading the church, you know, great credentials. Saul was a Jew Jewish convert. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. Okay, it's an okay tribe, but he's, he was a Pharisee. He was very, very well educated, definitely should be in church leadership. And then we had Simeon and Lucius, both scholars believe came from Africa. They were of African descent and they had moved to Antioch. And then lastly, we had Manan, this guy. He was a childhood companion of King Herod Antipas. Now, this childhood companion is also interpreted as foster brother, childhood companion or courtier. Whatever the precise meaning, it was relationship of honor and distinction with King Herod Antipas, who was not the preferred political party for the Jews. <laughs> okay, he was an enemy of the Jews. He was the oppressor. What a diverse group of leaders in terms of ethnicity, origin, political association, and within the richness of the differences, God brought forth the first missionary calling to Saul and Barnabas. This was the first time. And they went out to Saul and Barnabas got sent out by this group, leading to many more nations coming to know Jesus and becoming Christian. So all these image bearers come together to make a big puzzle of God's image. Now, I think theoretically, we all think it's wonderful. 
You know, we hear this, oh, so wonderful, so, so good. But that's the big picture. Today, we're going to zoom in a little bit. Realistically, however, in our lives, in my life, we generally don't see the big picture. We don't see God's big, that whole image reflected. What we see is this. We only see the image of God and his activities on the image bearers around us, those closest to us. Unfortunately, those closest to us often look very, very similar to us, sound very, very similar to us, smell very, very similar to us. Similarity bias is the preference or tendency to appreciate people like us. We are more likely to get along with people who are the same as us. We all gravitate towards people like ourselves in terms of appearance, beliefs, background, because they make us feel comfortable and safe, correct? So in terms of our race, our language, our work, our socioeconomic background, uh, the style by which we uh, decorate our house or by how we dress or a similar sense of humor. Now, there is a need to be with people like us. It is actually healthy because that is where we truly connect. Um, For those of you who speak uh, more than one language, you will understand this. That, yes, I can connect with people using every language that I know, but there's one or two heart language, mainly one heart language. When I talk to people in that language, I can connect deeply. It's the same. So for those of you who are only English speaking, if you're learning Spanish on Duolingo and think that you are fluent, um, (laughs) you may know words, but it's very hard to connect heart to heart with people in Spanish, but you could do it in English. That's why it is important for us to have our similarity bias. We, we are understood. We're not so worried about offending people. We can rest. We can relax. We can recuperate. I have a group of Malaysian young people. I love them dearly. They come uh, to my house once, a few, once every few months. They bring food. I bring food. We lots of food and lots of drinks. And they come at 6 o'clock. They don't leave till past midnight. And I realize we shouldn't do Saturday anymore because I need to go to church on Sunday. And they, some, one time they stayed past 1.30. And we are so loud when they come. We laugh so loud. We talk about things that we don't talk about other, elsewhere. And my kids complain that they can't sleep. So I just bribe them with dessert. You know, it, it's, it's great. Because we relax. So I get it. We all naturally tend towards similarity bias. But I'd like to tell you a story. Five and a half years ago, I had the privilege of running an alpha in a woman's drug rehab home in Malaysia. It was quite a small setup. About 12 residents lived in the house with a few carers. It was run by Christians. Some of these women had come straight into the home when they were released from prison, and some came voluntarily. Almost all of them were Indian by descent and came from low socioeconomic areas, and some were illiterate. There was one woman who was Chinese by descent, like myself. Most of them came from remote or regional areas, 
And some of their stories were totally, totally unimaginable to me. And yet each one, an image bearer of God, made in God's image. So here I was, a middle-class, privileged woman, sitting amongst women with whom I had very, very little in common. I consider myself a great conversationalist. If you've spoken to me, I, I think you might agree. I, I can find common ground with anyone, and we can hit it off. We can chat. We can talk about anything, but not here. Here, we were warned not to ask about their family or their origin or how they ended up here, because it could be very painful. So here, they ask me questions. Here, I sit and I listen when they are ready to tell their stories. A few of these women had come to faith in Jesus since coming to the home, and others came to faith as we ran Alpha, and they learned more about Jesus. I soon realized I should not wear makeup ever when going there because I was always a blubbering mess. These women, when they fell in love with Jesus, they fell hard. They would sing this one worship song in Tamil. It's like the only new one song. They would sing this one worship song in Tamil, which is their language. I didn't understand a word, and they didn't sing in tune. For all those weeks I was there, I still never knew the actual tune of that song. But it was honestly the most beautiful worship I had ever participated in. I would always cry and sob when they sang that song. I would watch their faces, and I would sob. And I looked forward, like every week, I just wanted to go there and hear them sing that song out of tune. As I listened to their stories week by week of them encountering Jesus, my mind, my heart, my world just expanded and became more colorful. My view on Jesus grew. And when they went crazy for Jesus, I went a little bit crazier for him too. And very soon it became my weekly highlight. I wanted to sit with these women. I looked forward to sitting with them. Women that I would never hang out with or go shopping with or go on holidays with. I wasn't even allowed to exchange contact details with them for security reasons. But I just wanted to be with them. They enrich my life. They make me rethink my priorities. They challenge the lukewarm in my heart for Jesus. It was there one afternoon sitting with them when God brought clarity to me that God wanted us to adopt our youngest daughter, Angel. Tim was already 100%, like, yes, we're doing it. And I was doubting serious, like big time, like we can't do this. We already have a baby. We can't, and papers, money, all of that. But it was there when I was sitting there that God put clarity and faith in my heart. And I texted Tim right there and then and say, let's do it. At the end of that alpha, a few of the ladies got baptized. And one of them was an older lady. I brought my two toddlers with me to witness the baptism. Yes, we had two toddlers. And here I was sitting with this lady and her children and grandchildren, all Indian. And me, Chinese. And my two girls, one African and one Filipina. Sitting there after that baptism, eating together, we had you know, we had nothing in common. Not our ethnicity, not our backgrounds, not our language, nothing. But we had the most important thing in common. We are image bearers of God. And together we reflect the image of God. And at that point, we all loved Jesus and we were part of the family of God. Needless to say, I was a mess. 
They must wonder why I was sent to lead them, because all I seemed to do was to cry and eat their food, <laughs> which was, you know, important. Excuse me. I would like to encourage you. Similarity bias is normal and absolutely healthy. However, our lives would be way richer if we also step out of our bias and spend time with people who are different from us. How can we enrich our community with more image bearers? Everyone has something to share that we can learn if we are willing. Question is, if we are willing. Some practical suggestions. Firstly, practice curiosity. Have coffee with people you don't usually spend time with. People of a different age group, race, background, marital status, life stage, personality type. Just reach out and ask them. And I know what you're thinking now. I don't want to do that. I don't know what to talk about. I, I, I worry about what to talk about. Well, you don't have to worry about what to say. You only need to worry about what to ask. So, just Google good questions for conversations. Have a few in your pocket and off you go. Ask them their stories and then listen. Ask them, what they, ask them about them, what they think, what they feel about things. Ask them their experiences. Young people like myself and younger, I want you to look around the room now. Look around. I want you to spot gray hair. Can you spot gray hair? Yeah, yeah, there's one or two. Do you know what's there? Life experiences, wisdom, stories that will change you. Earlier last year, we went to Brisbane to spend time with my uncle and auntie, and I was desperate. I had so many questions, and I sat down, how did you survive the war? That was my first question, and um, I learned so much. I learned so much. It was incredible. And I asked them how they met. And uh, apparently my auntie didn't like my uncle to start with. He was very proud and arrogant. And my uncle corrected her. Just arrogant, not proud. Spend time with older people. Ask them their story. Ask them about their childhood. And remove distractions. And what you think you already know. And listen with an open mind. Not all of them walk 50 miles to go to school. Ask them. Listen to them. Okay, don't assume. Our good friend Claire Van Ryan has recently written a best-selling novel. If you haven't got a copy, you should. It is precisely about this. The book is called The Secrets of the Hue and Wren. Seriously, get it. A young reporter spending time with an older lady, learning her story and how that changed her own life. Older people like myself, I would like to speak to you for a second, it's easy to see younger people and say, been there, done that. Actually, you haven't. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. We never grew up in a world where the internet and social media was norm. We never grew up in a world where everyone was a published writer and their voices could be heard. We never experienced that. So sit with our younger people and listen to them. What do they find joy in? What do they struggle with? What's scary for them? How do they have fun these days? And then you can tell them how you had fun your days. 
I actually listened to some old people about how they had fun during their days and I was a bit traumatized. So young people, do ask them, you'll be shocked. All right. Invite someone over for a meal, someone different from the people you normally hang out with. I'm, this is a challenge. Invite that really well-dressed family that is so well put together, the sight of them or the smell of them intimidates you. Invite them into your house. Get to know them. Reach out to someone of a minority community. I am someone of a minority community, in case you did, couldn't tell. I am Chinese-Malaysian, and I live in Australia. I have never, just, well, I have never experienced blatant racism, except I am very used to being politely ignored. So if I come and visit a church, I, am, I just expect that I will be invisible and I will be ignored. It is not because people are racist. It's because people don't know what to do. Firstly, we are a bit invisible because people are trained to similarity bias. You find the people who look like you. When you find someone who doesn't look like you, you're, you just don't see them. So firstly, see them. And I know people look at me and they go, oh, I don't know if she speaks English. I don't want to embarrass her. What if I don't understand her accent? Or people look at me and they're like, ooh, what if I ask her, where are you from? And then she gets offended and make a YouTube video about me. <laughs> you know what? I don't know. They might, they might get offended. They might be upset with you. But do it. Because more often than not, we feel, we in the minority community, feel invisible, unwanted, so by you coming and saying hi, it helps us feel seen and wanted. We have so many refugees here living among us now, and it's wonderful. The refugees that you did a petition to get them in the country, remember? Now they're here. <laughs> they're on your street, and their kids go to the school your kids go to. Invite them into your home, and then ask them their story. Ask them how they ended up here. Ask them about their culture and their religion. And then share of yourself with them. I guarantee you, your life will not be the same again. And those who are in minority community, I see some here. I want to challenge you today too. It goes both ways. I know it's very scary to go and talk to or spend time with Native Australian people, or people who don't speak your heart language. I know it's very scary, but it's worth it. Do it. Join a small group. Volunteer to serve. The people in your small group, is there like huge similarity bias there? That's another question to ask. What if inviting, what if you invite people who are different into your small group. If you are new, uh, exploring faith, do an alpha. Ten weeks of listening to people different from yourself. If you are a long-term Christian, join the alpha team. Ten weeks of listening to people very different to yourself. 
Serve together with people who are different. Don't just find the people who jive the same way as you and serve with them. Go and look at the group that looks completely different from you and go serve with them. In doing this, not only will your life be enriched, the lives of those you are connecting with will be enriched as well. I've had the privilege of spending time with people very different from myself, and I'm very thankful for that. As a young person, as a young person, I spent eight weeks on the MV Dulos, which is a missionary ship, um, with 400 people from 30 different nationalities living and serving together, my life enriched. Then I spent six months with Youth with a Mission, doing a discipleship school with 10 other people from 10 different places, and my life enriched. The most important was that when I decided I wouldn't just hang out with Asians, I married the best white man in the world. (laughs) My life enriched. His life super enriched. (laughs) And he will say, yes, dear. (laughs) And then moving to Australia, I was learning a different culture in every way. Okay, this is not cultural, but I couldn't cook. I couldn't cook a single cuisine, nothing. So I had to ask my first friend here, Ruth, how to cook a stir-fry. Stir-fry is a Chinese cuisine, okay? She was flabbergasted. My life enriched. Hers probably not so much. Who is this maniac? So how can we enrich our community with more image bearers? Including lots of different image bearers in my community makes my life richer and makes their life richer. Now, every analogy eventually breaks down, okay? But bear with me here. I'm stretching this analogy here. Yes, let's look at this picture of a puzzle again. Yes, we may live in a small section of this puzzle. This is where God has called us. So say I am a blue piece, a light shade of blue somewhere there, and that's my race, my background, my gender, my work. I'm familiar with God's image in my area and what he's doing in me and my people. But what if I decide I'm going to spend time with that red piece there on the boat? And listen and find out what God does there. I get to see my God in another part of the picture. I get to see a larger picture. And don't do this once every five years when you go on a mission trip. Do this every week. Every day if you want, but every week is good with someone right here in our city, on our street, in our church. Individually, we are all image bearers, and together we reflect the image of God. How can you enrich your community with more image bearers? Let's pray. Lord, I know that this was not a very easy message to listen to because it touches us all. But Lord, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are here. There is grace. There is love. And you are calling us to reach out in grace, not guilt. God, I pray where we worry, we fear. And the culture today is telling us to worry and fear. The culture today is telling us we can't do this because we will offend people. But that is not your culture.
Your culture is one that is open, that welcomes, that includes. So may we, your people, not be afraid. May we not conform to the culture of this world that tells us to stay within our own little space and mind our own business. God, just come, Holy Spirit, and do something in our hearts. Father, I just ask that as we walk out, you will just begin to open our eyes to see those who are different to us, whether we are in the minority or not in the minority community, that you open our eyes to see. I pray for the young, that you put a desire in their hearts, in our hearts, to learn from those who are older than us, to look at them and know that there is gold to be mined. And those who are older, I pray that they will, we will look at our younger people with humility and compassion and we will reach out and love and be the older person we wish we had when we were younger. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are a God that accepts us all and we all reflect your image. You're a beautiful God. Beautiful, beautiful God. In Jesus' name, amen.